to praise or thank me too much. This is God talking. As it is written, I inhabit the praises of my people. Sometimes your adoration is a spontaneous overflow of joy in response to radiant beauty or rich blessings. At other times, your praise is more disciplined and measured, an act of your will. I dwell equally in both types of praise. Thankfulness also is a royal road to draw near me. A thankful heart has plenty of room for me. When you thank me for the many pleasures I provide, you affirm that I am God from whom all blessings flow. But when adversity strikes and you thank me anyway, your trust in my sovereignty is a showpiece in invisible realms. Fill up the spare moments of your life with praise and thanksgiving. This joyous discipline will help you live in the intimacy of my presence. Thank me not only for obvious blessings, but for the situations you never would have chosen, because this is true trust. Lord, I just thank you that you are worthy to be praised no matter what is going on, no matter what our circumstances, Lord. You are worthy. And with all the stuff going on around us, Father, we see people trusting in men, but we don't trust in men. We trust only in you. You are the sovereign, mighty, powerful God who is in control of all things. Father, we just lift you up this morning. Praise you, Lord. Mola.
at the sound of your great name. Hungry souls receive grace at the sound of your
gracious Father, you, your word says that the reason that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the enemy, to destroy the works of the devil. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you, Father, that you have given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We acknowledge today that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved but the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that today we serve a risen Savior. We serve a Savior who is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, going before the throne for us. And we thank you that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we are a part of his kingdom. Kingdoms may come and kingdoms may go, just sung that verse Lord kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name that name is the king of a kingdom that will never pass away and we are a part of that kingdom as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ we have become a part of that kingdom he will never have to give up his throne no one will ever take that throne away from him. He will reign forever. And we thank you and we praise you today. Just be seated for a moment, please. Just find a seat. Thank you. I just want to, I want to have some special prayer this morning. Um, one of our one of our sisters from the center, he um, has had a, a death in the family. Ten-year-old girl that was killed in a horsing accident. And uh, we just want to pray for that family. Um, only those of you in this room who've lost a child, and I know that there are a number of you in here that have lost a child. You're the only ones that can even begin to relate to this. You know, only the ones that can begin to understand what that what that's like. And um, we want to pray for Valerie, and we want to pray for the family. And uh, you know, God and God alone. I'm gonna come back here. God and God alone is able to take care of this. Father, I just want to pray for this family right now. I pray for Valerie, and I know that her heart is broken, and her heart is is weeping and grieving at this loss. Words cannot express. We, we are not able to express words, Father. This is one of those times, Holy Spirit, when you simply have to pray for us. You have to pray for us. You have to pray in our stead because words cannot convey and your word says that when, when we have those situations, your spirit will pray for us 
uttering words to the Father that can't be understood. But we do know this, Father. Your word also tells us that when we bring our prayers and petitions to you, when we come to you with our heartache and with our pain, your word tells us that your response to that is to give us a peace that passes all understanding. So right here, right now, Father, to Valerie and to the rest of the family who are not here in our presence, may the peace that passes all understanding flood down upon them. Father, I don't know if this family knows you. I don't know if they're serving you or not. But I just pray, Father, that this loss in their family will not be for naught, but that through it, you will draw this family to a vital, personal, exciting relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, that we can always come to you and you always hear us and you always answer. You are a good, good Father. And now, Father, I just pray that as we continue, that you will just, that you will take our offerings and our tithes that we're about to give as an act of worship, an act of trust, an act of believing that you are going to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We give them we give them to you cheerfully and freely and gladly because we are giving into the kingdom of God and we want to see the kingdom of God expanded. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that it will just come alive to us by your spirit. That it will find its way into our hearts and into our spirits. Where we will, we will grasp its deep meaning. We will rejoice in what it says to us and determine in our hearts to follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we are in Ephesians chapter 1, and um, 
we are going to be in the beginning. Well, I'm going to read a verse from last week just to bring us into our, uh, uh, into our thought pattern. Uh, important verse. Paul is writing here to the Ephesian church, and he says, Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been given a a deposit, a down payment, if you will. It is the Spirit of the living God. It is the Spirit of the Creator that He has given us. And it marks us if you will. Uh, and I, I very briefly explained uh, last week about the, the concept of a covenant where individuals who would make a covenant with one another would oftentimes uh, cut themselves and into that wound would rub dirt. And it would, when it would heal, it would leave a mark on them. And that mark was a, was a reminder to them that they were in covenant with one another. That is, that is the, uh, the modern, if you will, uh, for instance, this, this right here, that is a, that's a ring, okay? And my wife gave that to me. It's not the original one that she gave to me 40, whoo, almost 47 years ago coming up in January. But it's the one she gave to me, and I have another one that I wear during the week that's you know, because when I'm work, when I'm, if I work and I'm working and it's, I get a lot of junk on it, I don't want to do it to this one. So I wear this one for good. But that is a, that's a mark that I wear. And what does that mark do? Well, each time I look at that ring, it reminds me I'm in covenant with someone. Okay. Now, it's the ring isn't what makes me be faithful to the covenant. The covenant, the, the, my determination and my desire to be faithful to the covenant is what makes me faithful to the covenant. But this reminds me that I'm in covenant. Okay? It reminds me every day I am in covenant with, with Mary. And the Holy Spirit is a mark that God gave to us and He, he lives in us and the Bible says he, we are, we've been marked with a seal. Now, it's not that he's wrapped us up and sealed us, but he has marked us as the old days when they used to take candle wax and they would put it on a, a letter and, and over the, where the flap was and then they would mark it with a, with a seal. And that, that seal said, this is coming from whomever. Well, the Holy Spirit is the seal and we have been marked by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something that if you, and we're going to get into this next week. Next week is just, I love the book of Ephesians. And next week, it is, we're going to be in chapter 2. And you're going to see how marvelous this is. But we have been marked by the Holy Spirit. The, God didn't just say, okay, I want you to, you know, I want you to paint your ears red. And that's how people are going to know you're a Christian. 
He said, I'm going to give you something that is going to make a world of difference in who you are. And when people see you and they are around you and they communicate with you and you live next to them or whatever, they are going to see that there is something different about you because you haven't just been marked in some outward way that you are in covenant with somebody. There is an internal power within you that says, I'm different and I am, because I'm a child of the King, I have the Holy Spirit within me. And it's not something you have to announce. You don't have to walk down your neighborhood street going, oh, by the way, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, people are going to notice something different about you just because of the look on your face and the way you live and the way you act and how just, well, we're going to see a little bit more of it in just a moment. But it is going to be evident to them the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Now, that's just the introduction. Now let's get on with the meat of the the meat of things. So Paul says, Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now that's a common thing for Paul to say. He says it to the Colossians. He says it to the Philippians. Uh, he says it to some other people. He said, listen, I, when I remember you in my prayers, I give God thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. Here's what he says. Here's the prayer. This is one of my favorite prayers in the whole Bible. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, I... This became abundantly clear to me as I was studying this. Paul says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. But in verse 13 and 14, he says, you were marked with in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit it is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance till the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. We already have the Spirit of God. So it's not so much that He's praying that God will give them the Spirit of, re- of wisdom and revelation, but that they might realize that they have the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And as you, we go through the rest of this passage, you're going to see that what Paul is trying to get people to understand in the Ephesians church is who they are in Christ. Who they are in Christ and what is available to them as children of God. Now he says here, I'm praying that the that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in John chapter 16. He says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. 
In Matthew chapter 16, when he had asked the disciples, he says, what is, uh, what do, who do people say that I am? And, and the, they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Uh, some say you're John the Baptist. Come back to life. He goes, well, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You didn't get that idea from some person. My Father revealed that to you. So now, here, I want you to see this. When Paul is asking, he says, I want, you to, I want the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to understand that if you are going to understand the Word of God, you can, you can understand what the words say by simply reading it. If you have a knowledge of the English language, you can pick up an English Bible and you can read the words and you can understand what the words mean. But you will not understand the deep spiritual meanings of the word unless that is revealed to you. And you cannot get revelation, knowledge, see there is, there is knowledge and then there is revelation knowledge and revelation knowledge allows you to have the deep spiritual understanding of what that what god is trying to say now i'm not going to assume here that this isn't happening to you i'm not saying what i'm about to say next because you've never experienced this i'm saying I hope that you have, and I believe that you have, but I'm going to tell you there is an incredible sense of awe when you are reading the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God like takes His fingers and He comes in the back of your mind and He goes, and He, and he just opens the veil. He opens the, 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 that shroud that, that is keeping you from understanding, and he just opens it up, doesn't have to open it up very far. And this understanding of what you are reading, the spiritual significance, the, the power of what the Word is saying, just all of a sudden floods into you and you go, whoa! If, if, if that's never happened to you, and I, and, I, and I hope that it has, but if it's never happened to you, then the next time you sit down to read God's Word, Stop for a moment and say, Father in heaven, I pray. I know that you are the, the revealer of all things. And I pray right now that as I'm reading your word, you would open my mind and my heart to hear what, it, what is being said here. And I'm going to tell you, the first, the first time that happens to you, it will, it will create a hunger for more of God's word. I pray that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Revelation. Now, why? 
The question is, why would he do that? Why would Paul pray for that? Why would he say, I want, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation? Why? So that you may know him better. Do you, do you, do you hear? It's not saying so that you will know about him more. It's not about knowing more about him. It's about knowing him better. Now, when we, when we read the Word, see, the, the Word of God, the word, I believe that the Word of God is God's revelation of Himself to us. Okay? I believe it is God's revelation of Himself to us. But it's not, He didn't put everything about Him in there because we couldn't handle it. When it, there's, let's just say that, you know, you have a relationship with someone, okay? It could be a friend, it can be a, a spouse or a boyfriend or whatever the case may be, but you have a relationship with somebody, okay? Now, you can, in, in a short period of time, you can learn some things about them, for instance, of well, where they were from, uh, you know, uh, what was the name of their mom and their dad? What was the name of their first pet? You know, uh, all, you know all these kind of superficial things. And, and, and you, can learn, you can learn all of those facts, but you don't really get to know someone until you understand how they think and how they feel. And the only way that you can do that is to spend time with them and to speak with them, and to communicate with them, and to be in situations with them, uh, and sometimes very difficult situations, and you learn to know them better. You learn to know them by experiencing them in, in particular situations. And Paul says, man, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom. I want you to have the spirit of revelation. I want, I want you to I want God to be able to reveal himself in a deeper, more, um, a more perfect way. Why? So that you would know him better. Because what happens when you begin to know God better? When you begin to know God better, you begin to trust him. You begin to rely fully on him. You begin to, to go to him when the times are hard. You don't go to him last, you go to him first. You begin, you begin to realize that He is a trustworthy and faithful Father. You begin to realize that He is a good, good Father. You begin to realize that He is righteous in all of His ways toward us. You begin to understand all of those things. Because why? Because you're knowing Him better. And the more you know Him, the more you know that He is faithful. Great is His faithfulness. There is no shadow of turning with Him. And you don't understand that when, it, when the relationship is simply on a superficial level. And then Paul prays and says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now that's a metaphor. Our hearts don't have any eyes. But he's... And he's also not speaking about this physical heart. He's speaking about our spiritual heart, that center of us, that part of us which is center where 
the Spirit of God dwells. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And there's three reasons why he wants our, the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. Number one, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Now, we talked about hope a few, you know, a couple months ago. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about hope. But, he, but if you don't understand, if you don't know the hope to which he has called you, if you don't understand that there is, if, if you are simply living in this, in the world without an, an idea that there's any hope beyond this, Some of you, maybe, I'm going to say maybe, some of you are stressed and worried and concerned about Tuesday. Oh, what if so-and-so gets in? The end of the world is just around the corner. Well, it is anyway. <laughs> but I'm just, you know. But, oh, but if this, but, but, oh, if this person gets in, we're saved. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm going to tell you something right here. The hope that you and I have, the hope that you and I have is, will be the, exactly the same on Wednesday morning as it is right now. It'll be exactly the same. Why? Because we've been called to that hope by our Father, not by our President. Should we honor our President? Of course, the Bible says honor the King. We ought to, no matter who it is, we, ought to, we need to honor the President. Why? But because, it's the, because of the office. Don't have to agree with what they do. Don't have, to, don't have to praise and laud for what they do. But we have to honor them because they're... They're there, and the Bible says that nobody's going to, nobody, no one, anywhere, everywhere, there's never been one that hasn't been there because God wanted them there. <gasps> Isn't that comforting? He wants the eyes of our heart to be enlightened so we will know, that we may know the hope to which He's called us. The second thing is, he wants us to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, those two are somewhat similar, except we have a hope that right here, right now, we have a hope. But he also wants us to understand what lies ahead of us in heaven. And, and the Bible says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. 
You want to try to think of what heaven's like? Don't waste your time. You can't. You can't even imagine it. In your wildest dreams and imaginations, you can't even begin to picture or understand what God has prepared. This glorious inheritance in the saints. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that we have to look forward to. And the very fact that we have to look forward to that should, should keep us focused and walking with, with God right here, right now, even in the midst of turmoil and and uncertainty in, in the world and, and in different countries and all the things that are going on, the terrorism and everything else, folks, out of all of that, I mean, I'm not making light of that and I'm not trying to be pie in the sky, you know, so heavenly minded I'm no earthly good, <clears throat> but I'm simply talking about the fact that we have a glorious inheritance that awaits us. And sometimes I think, well, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes I have, to, I have to watch myself. Really, I do. I have to watch myself because I get, I can, it's very, very easy to get caught up. When, when our lives are going really, really well, it's very easy to get caught up in, man, I don't ever want this to end. Uh, you know, because it's really going great and I'm really enjoying myself. And I got... I got two brand new grandbabies and man I want to I want to I want to see I want to see their kids I want to see what they're going to become I want to see I want to see all of those things I want to experience it all I don't want to I, I, I do I, and wait a minute I have a glorious inheritance and so do they when they come to Christ and the last, the last reason he wants the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart to be, to be opened and enlightened is so that we might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God, now he... He mentions something here in just a moment. He, said, he says, that power, the, 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 the power that's available to you, the power that's available to me, he, he says, that incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power is it? How much power is that? What does it consist of? He says that power which is at work in us, which we have available to us, that power is like the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Whoa! The same Spirit that dwells in us is the same power and Spirit that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. It was the same power that that is residing in you right now is the same Spirit that went back into Jesus' body on that Sunday morning and raised Him up and rolled the stone away and sent Him out into the world as the resurrected Lord. Same Spirit, same power, same action. And it's available to us. Why are we as Christians walking around 
in a, with an attitude of defeat and an attitude of despair and an attitude of, oh, woe is me. I'm going to <laughs> tell you something. When a Christian individual gets a hold of and the eyes of their heart are opened and they get that understanding when, the, when, they're the, when that enlightenment comes to them and they begin to understand the power that is available to them, they begin, they begin to walk different. They begin to live different. They begin to pray differently. They begin to approach the throne of God differently. Why? Because they begin to realize, hey, wow, the power that is available to me. Now, they don't exert that power in a way that to, to, to use or abuse. They don't use and abuse that power, but they suddenly realize, I have a power available to me that is far beyond political power. You see, the early disciples, the early disciples didn't have any political power whatsoever. They had none. You, you read about Herod and what he was like. And he ruled Palestine. and you, you, I've read some things about Herod. Herod was an evil, evil man. He's the same guy that when he realized that, that the wise men had deceived him and been told not to go back and tell him where Jesus had, where, that they had found Jesus and where he was, he ordered his soldiers to go out and kill every baby from two years old and under. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine these soldiers going out and slaughtering every baby that was two years old and younger? And they did it all because Herod was afraid that this king of the Jews was going to come in and usurp his power and his throne. And he was the one who ruled over Palestine. And the disciples, the disciples had no political power. They just had the power of prayer. They just, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, they just had the power of prayer. And, when they were, and then when they were told by their, by their religious leaders, you stop preaching in the name of Jesus, what did they do? They went back to their friends and said, Oh God, we pray, fill us with boldness so that we might even more preach in the name of Jesus, your Son. Power, like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. But you know what? And I'm just going to say a couple things here and then we're going to move on. And they're only, they're only meant, they're only meant to show a comparison. I'm not finding fault. I'm not judging. I'm not casting aspersions, or anything like that. But I want to ask you this question. Which do you think would carry the most weight, if you will? You see, I believe that God has the power, and His Word speaks about this, I believe that God has the power to change the minds of people even when they don't believe in Him. 
Okay? Because the Bible says that he did that. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you look at, um, uh, we, we talked a few mo- a month or so ago about Hezekiah. And when Hezekiah went before the Lord and prayed, Hez- the Lord said to Hezekiah, I- I- I'm going to put a thought in his mind, the, the king of Assyria. I'm, gonna, I'm going to put a thought in his mind. And he's going to leave. He's going to go away. And he's not even going to come into your city. And the Bible says that God put a thought in his mind. And he, and, he, and he turned around and he went, the king of Assyria, who had planned to overrun Jerusalem, who had told, who had told Hezekiah, he said, look, don't believe your God. If you, what other God in all of this area has ever been able to stand up to me? Don't believe your God when he says, I'll deliver you. And Hezekiah went in before the Lord and the Lord says, Don't worry about that, Hezekiah. I'm going to put a thought in his mind. And the Bible says he put a thought in his mind and he left. He just went, he just left. Which do you think is going to be or would be the most powerful way to influence things for the kingdom of God? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go make a sign. I'm going to put it on a stick. And I'm going to walk around with it. I'm going to change some people's minds. Or, I'm going to go in my quiet place. And I'm going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to go before the throne of the one who is able to put thoughts into people's minds and change them for his will and for his purpose. Which one do you think is going to be the mo- do the most good? What? The mighty power that was at work when he raised Jesus from the dead is the power that you and I have. Why are we wasting our time on political power when we have spiritual power at our fingertips? God help us that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. So that power is like the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in in the heavenly realm. That word heavenly realms ring a bell with you because last week we talked about in Ephesians 1.3 who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His, Jesus' feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Listen. Man, that's, a powerful, that's a powerful verse right there. God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head of, over everything for the church, which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills everything and everything. What is the fullness of Him? The church. The church is His body. The fullness of Him. Who was Jesus? 
Jesus was the fullness of God. Okay? He was the fullness of God. The Bible says in Colossians that in, in Him dwelled all the presentation of the Father. And Jesus created His church and the Spirit of God comes to live within us and the church is the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Christ. Christ was the fullness of God. We are the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. We, the Bible says, are the salt of the earth. Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We're the ones that, that flavor, the, flavor the earth. We're the ones that bring light to the darkness. Why? We're the body of Christ, which is the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. And we have within us the, a power that is so great. It is the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to tell you, it's the same power that God used when He spoke into existence the very creation that we see. He spoke it into existence and the Spirit of God carried it out. That Spirit dwells in us, folks. Now, I'm just going to make a suggestion. Let's live like that. Let's pray like that. Let's go before the throne like that. Let's believe that that power actually works. That that power can actually accomplish something. That, and I'm not... And I'm not <laughs> I'm just saying we have you have you have um, <clears throat> you have loved ones who don't know Jesus. Well, there's a time and a place, I can tell you, there's a time and a place when when God may give you the opportunity to speak to them about that. But what if you use that power that's within you to go before the throne day after day after day? And pray the prayer that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that they would that they would see, and you would just begin to pray that over them. You would just pray that and pray that and pray that over them. What do you think might happen? I believe that what might happen is that the Spirit of the Living God that lives in you, that loves them more than you love them, that that Spirit of the Living God might actually go out and begin to convict them of their need for Jesus. And you may never even have to speak another word, especially if they're, you know, depending on what God's opportunities are for you, you may never even speak another word and they will come to Him simply because of the power of your prayer and the power of the Spirit that lives within you. Wouldn't it be something? What might happen to this church? What might happen to this community? What might happen to this town? if a few of God's people just started to believe with all of their heart that the power that lives in them is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead? What if we began to believe that with all of our hearts? Let's pray. Father, we thank You today
for your goodness, for your blessings, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for the Spirit of God, your Spirit, that has come to us. Jesus left and went away, and, this, and you sent your Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that you used to raise Jesus from the dead. It's overwhelming to think that that same Spirit is what is dwelling with this within us right now as believers. The same Spirit that you used to create the heavens and the earth. Those heavens which declare your glory. Father, I pray that you will open the eyes of our heart and enlighten us to the hope that you've called us to. To the rich, the glorious inheritance that we have. And to this incomparably great power that dwells within us by the power of your Spirit. Oh God, may we begin to use that power for the kingdom of God. To call upon your name. To cry out to you on behalf of our nation and our, and our cities and our towns and our loved ones. Father, we just we thank you. And today we come to you, Father, with that, with that prayer. And, and, we, and we pray for the ministries of this church that you've allowed us to become a part of. Father, we, we pray for E.E. E. Prison Ministry. And while we're praying for that, Father, we think about the, the prayer request that has come for, for um, the Christians and the believers in Indonesia and the, the, the attacks that were planned by, by radicals to, uh, to persecute and to... Uh, and Lord, we just, we just call out to you for that. And Father, we... We pray for love serves, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for the numbers of people that are, that are coming to know you through that ministry. In the last 10 years, over 80,000 people have come to know Christ through the ministry of love serves in the Dominican Republic. 80,000 people have been added to the kingdom of God. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And Father, we pray for the Transitional Center, Lord. And we thank you for the ladies there. We, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to be a part of that. But it's not enough for us to just go up there and have a service on a Saturday night. Father, we pray that, that you would bring into those, into those meetings those who do not know you, that may be seeking but still have not made that commitment. We, we pray for them, Lord, that you would open the eyes of their understanding. And Father, I pray for those who go there to, uh, that are there at the bridges that, that know you. Father, and I pray that you, will, that you will help them to live lives of, uh, before those that are not saved. And I pray, Lord, that, that, that they would have the opportunity to share their faith We've prayed that not a single one would leave there without knowing Christ is their Savior. 
That's not something that we can do by going there one Saturday night a month. It has to be deeper and, and more involved with those who are there that know you. Thank you for Chaplain Burke. Thank you for her ministry. Thank you for her love for you and her love for those girls. And we just pray, Lord, that you will just bless her and anoint her to preach the truth of the word. And we pray for hearts that will be receptive to that truth. And we pray for our missionaries, Lord, for Chris Garrison, for Todd and Shelley Marks, and we know that they're, they're all home here now in the United States, and, and uh, we just pray for a time of refreshment and relaxation, a time of regrouping, a time of, of um, hearing from you, Lord, and uh, a, a time of planning, and, and Lord, I just, I just thank you, pray for each one of them. And then, Lord, I just thank you for our daycare, and I thank you for our staff, and and Lord, I just, I just pray for each family that brings their children here to this church. Many of them don't go to church. Many of them are not believers. But they bring their children here. What an awesome responsibility. What an awesome opportunity to share the love of God through Jesus with these little children. To help to shape and to mold their future. We thank you for that opportunity. Lord, take us from this place full of your spirit, full of hope, looking forward to our inheritance, but fully aware of the power that dwells within us because your spirit is there. In Jesus' name, amen.